Nintendo Dispatch, your weekly Nintendo podcast covering all things from the world of Nintendo. I'm Christina. And I am Michael. And it's hot today. It is very hot today. (laughs) I'm glad I went for a hike yesterday instead of today. I was thinking about switching it up. I got like um, a fire tower, like Adirondacks and Catskills sort of challenge thing. You can scratch it off. And I officially started it yesterday. It was yesterday morning. It was like 65, 70 degrees. It was perfect. But today, no way. Would not go hiking. I don't even want to leave my apartment today. <laughs> yeah. The whole the whole country is in a bit of a heat wave, yeah. it seems like. I know here we're hitting 90s and it's hot. It's a good day to stay inside, record the podcast, and play some video games, I think. I agree. As far as news stories goes this week, we have quite a few lined up. Uh, the first one, though, is a little bit of a celebration. Uh, This past week, it was Nintendo 64's 25th birthday. So happy birthday, Nintendo 64. Mm -hmm. Um, We gathered a couple of fun little facts to kind of just, I don't know, remind people a little bit about the console. So uh, on June 23rd, 1996, uh, the Nintendo 64 went on sale in Japan. And then that following September, it came out in North America. Uh, Work on the console began in 1993 under the name Project Reality. And the name Nintendo 64 was actually conceived by a copywriter named um, Shig- <laughs> Shigesato Itoi. <laughs> sure. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, which I thought that was really interesting because they're actually the designer of the Earthbound games and they voiced the father in the original uh, My Neighbor Totoro movie, which oh, nice. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Nintendo discontinued the console in 2002 after worldwide sales reached 32.93 million and 388 games were released on the console with the biggest seller being Super Mario 64 at 11.62 million copies. Big numbers. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought it'd be kind of cool if we each kind of talked through like our favorite game memories, well, favorite memories and then favorite games um, from Nintendo 64. So. I'll let you kick it off so you can talk about yours. <laughs> uh, so I had a lot of games that I really enjoyed on the 64. I think the one that probably stands out and most people would probably say is GoldenEye. This was just a fantastic game. I can remember hours and hours of playing this game. I also remember some of my fondest most fun gaming memories are playing GoldenEye with a few of my friends. We would get out of school mm-hmm. or we would plan like overnights and go to my buddy Mike's house and just play GoldenEye for hours until basically until we just couldn't anymore, whether our eyes were too dry or we were too tired of, from laughing all night long. But we would have hours and hours of fun. I remember we would remember spawn points. We would just my buddy Craig would constantly play um odd job and he'd be crouching around crouching around and we would know we always played in the mines with the proximity mines and then we would run around and once you'd got somebody killed you knew where they were going to spawn next so you would run there and put a mine and get them again it was just so much fun so so that was developed by rare everybody i was assume knows that but then another game that was developed by rare that i really liked was perfect dark now perfect dark was trying to get or rare i should say was trying to get the next bond game and they lost out to i think it was ea or somebody else they lost out to them mm. but they they decided to keep moving forward because they were already had kind of just come off a of golden eye they were in that vein for the game so they made perfect dark now perfect dark was essentially a the similar type of game but it had a totally different feel had a totally different um, aesthetic to it Perfect Dark was really heavily inspired by Ghost in the Shell, uh, Electra, X-Files, Blade Runner, Judge Dredd. It was like this sci-fi. You were sort of this special agent trying to, uh, I think you were, I can't remember it exactly, but I think you were doing something with like an aliens or some company you were trying to figure out what they were up to. And it was just really, really fun. Now, another one that really stood out, this was kind of like... When you went from Grand Theft Auto 2 to Grand Theft Auto 3 and it just changed the way you thought games could be and the the world that you would play in. And that for me was Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I remember playing this and just loving everything about it. Probably how a lot of people felt with Breath of the Wild um, on the Switch. 
Ocarina of Time was one of those things where it's just like this is this is the peak of gaming. This game changer, get, if you will. Yeah, it can't <laughs> get any better. This was just an amazing experience. The music to this day still brings me back. The different temples, everything about it, you know, riding the horse along and just every, everything. Everything about it was wonderful and and just so so well done. And then the last thing that kind of stood out when I was thinking back to the Nintendo sixty four was Mario Kart. I loved Mario Kart, but I think for me i prefer double dash on the gamecube that's when i really started getting into mario kart um but i did play mario kart on the 64 and so i do have fond memories of it yeah mario kart is a big one for me um i remember so when it came out i know we didn't get it for a few years and it was my brother that got it i think he got it for his birthday um and i must have been like seven years old i think so I was the little sister. I wasn't allowed to touch it. I've talked about that before. (laughs) But um, when I was finally able to play it, the only game I was allowed to play was Mario Kart. And I played the heck out of Mario Kart. Hmm. Um, So much so that I like that to me was, oh, this is what video games are. And then I remember, you know, years later, I was babysitting and this girl had a GameCube and it was it must have been Double Dash, but it was like basically the GameCube version of Mario Kart, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to play it and I was so bad, so bad. And I beat myself up so much about it. Like I kept playing and this girl did not want to play anymore. I was like, no, I'm your babysitter. We're playing this until I get it. <laughs> and um, it was just so frustrating because I was so used to Nintendo 64 controls. And then we're like, oh, you can move the camera now. And it's like, what? This is a whole new thing that like took so much getting used to. But um I, I still think like Mario Kart is just my the original for me. And I got so good at it that I think it was like in college, a bunch of friends and I were just joking around. I was like, I bet you I could beat you with just playing it with my toes. And I beat him. Wow. <laughs> and I didn't even and because you're playing you're like you can't use any of the power ups or anything. So I couldn't use like any of like I couldn't use the mushroom or the shells or any of that stuff, any of the question block stuff. So I'm pretty you had good. to be playing somebody that was absolutely <laughs> terrible at Mario Kart to be able to beat him with no, your No, they weren't bad. They were just average, but I'm just so good. Like, just, I'm amazing at Mario Kart. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> and then we didn't have many games. I think we also had Star Fox, which I played that, like, on and off, but I didn't get super into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other game, we also had Goldeneye, um, which was fun. I actually played that later, like a few years ago, me and my sister played that and I had a lot of fun, but I never really got into that one early on. Mm-hmm. The one I did get into was The World Is Not Enough, the other James Bond game. So I think mm-hmm. this is the one that EA must have gotten that you were talking about. Um, but I just remember, I have a really vivid memory of my sister was finally old enough to like really kind of grasp games. And there is this ski level, like in the movie, he like, I don't know. He's like skiing down this mountain and like avoiding all these people and whatnot. And it was so frustrating for me and so difficult for me that it was just me and my sister tossing the controller back and forth, trying to like get past this one part. Um, And that to me was a lot of fun. I have a, that's just a good memory from it, but Mm. overall, like just a lot of good little, little memories with friends and family. Yeah. Nice. That's excellent. There's a, there's, there's a ton of them and I'm sure we're forgetting many of them so if you've yeah. had other ones jump on our discord or twitter and let us know what some of your favorite nintendo 64 memories were i'm sure a lot of them overlap with ours because they are yeah. just you know they're they're just known for being some of the most amazing games so there's plenty others but yes those are the ones that stood out for us mm-hmm. for sure now a few i guess a few years ago now you probably remember us talking about um Pokemon company going after a couple of people that leaked s- images from Pokemon Sword and Shield from the unreleased at the time strategy guide we got official news that those two people the defendants for that actually worked for the company that was hired to print the strategy guide which i guess makes sense that's kind of what people probably assumed happened there they did mm-hmm. take the pictures while on the job and then distributed them on discord which obviously is a no-no uh, at the time the pokemon company said it would caused irreparable injury to the brand and undermined a carefully cultivated excitement and interest in the new games which is so dramatic that i mean give me a break <laughs> relax but whatever you got to use whatever jargon you need to to try to get your money but um the leak itself revealed
revealed the Gigantamax forms, evolutions, and other stuff, but both defendants um, are now ordered to pay the Pokemon company $150,000 for the damages and the attorney fees. So even though Pokemon company was going after this extremely dramatic, you know, irreparable injury, I do think $150,000 for selling or sharing stuff you stole is a fair enough price that's yeah. going to deter people from doing it in the future. And it's like a punishment. That's the punishment. You knew what you were doing was wrong. Now, if this were something where it's like $10 million each that we were going for, then that's just completely silly because obviously it didn't impact anything in the long run. But I do think there needs to be a penalty. And I thought those prices were pretty reasonable for what was mm-hmm. done. Yeah, I agree. I also think that it's it's nice to see, but kind of, I, I mean, I'm sure it makes sense that they didn't go after the print company that they hired. They went after the individuals mm-hmm. because, but I'm wondering if it's because they had like liability insurance or whatever. So maybe the Pokemon company was like, well, we probably get more money if we just went after the individual people. But well, they probably had some yeah. sort of proof. I mean, it's not necessarily the company's fault that an individual who knows how many people were involved in the printing yeah. of this, you know, you have potentially, you know, a hundred, maybe more. I don't know. It depends on how big the company was, but there's a, usually a lot of hands and a lot of people. There could be just a, a machine tech there that you know saw it running through the press and took a couple shots. I mean, I, I that is why you have insurance, but I think at the same time, it's hard to fault a company when it's just like, what, what are we supposed to do? You know, we didn't know. Yeah. I, I, you think they got fired? Probably. I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Because but. then, if they didn't get fired, I would say that the liability goes to the company. Because yeah. you already you're, you're keeping people on that you know have done this in the past. If it makes did them happen bad. again, the company should absolutely be held responsible, and the people that did it again should be held responsible. Yeah. But in this case, I would have to imagine it would be silly of the company not to have fired these people. Yeah, and it's also cre- like a repairable injury. Like the game sold great. Yeah, like, it didn't hurt it. Out. I guess I yeah. mean, at the time, if if it, if this lawsuit was happening, and I can't remember now because it's been so long, but if this lawsuit was happening before the game actually released, they don't know if it was irreparable injury. I yeah. mean, we all assume Pokemon was going to sell amazing anyway, but if they were showing something that did potentially, you know, turn people away from the game, I guess that's a that's a, you know a cause for concern, but. All of these companies do stuff like this. Nintendo goes after people mm-hmm. and says, "Oh my goodness, it you know, there's nothing we can do. We're never coming back from this." And it's like, "Come on, you know." I would say, if anything, it probably helped people get more excited about the game. Yeah, probably. <laughs> right? in, the, in the long run, probably. <laughs> yeah. people just you know got more excited because they see this stuff. Yeah, just lawyers, you know, they're crazy. It's <laughs> yeah, what they do, I guess. Yeah, jumping back into our Mario Kart kind of topic. Uh, this last week, there was the a Hot Wheels Mario Kart Rainbow Road Raceway that launched. Um, it was previously set to release in May, but it ended up releasing like a month later. So this past week on the 24th, and it's exactly what it is. It's Mario or sorry, it's Hot Wheels plus Mario Kart, and it's all Rainbow Road themed. This thing looks like if I was a kid again, I would definitely want this. So you can experience the iconic Mario Kart Rainbow Course in the physical realm with the Hot Wheels Mario Kart Rainbow Road Raceway track set. That is a tongue twister. The rainbow colored course reaches eight feet long and 24 inches high for maximum thrills and has lights and sounds for a big impression. (laughs) Two different layouts, straight or curved, create different races controlled with an electronic start and a finish gate that displays the winner. The track set features a spinning question block randomizer with pop-up features, 3D sculpted figures, and decorations to add to the thrills. Mm. I'm sorry. I just love how they make this so exciting. (laughs) Get racing right out of the box with two included Mario Kart 1 to 64 scale die cast carts, an exclusive King Boo, and of course, Mario. In addition to these exclusive die casts, fans can also collect and race other Hot Wheels Mario Kart die casts all together. Uh, it is available at Target, and it, right now it says it's out of stock, but they do say they're going to restock soon, and it's $120. Oh, my gosh. So that, for, like, I just can't imagine, well, maybe some families would. Like, $120 for a gift like this for your kids? Like, an, an adult should not be playing with this, I don't think, but 
Uh, I mean, maybe that seems like a lot of money to me for for what this is. I mean, it's cool, but this is a fifty dollar toy. That's two big games worth. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money. I mean, what's the value skew there? (laughs) What was Mario Kart the VR thing that came out? I mean, I feel like that was probably a better value than than this track at this point. It's crazy to me. That seems so expensive. So I think it is neat. And I think it's really cool that they're doing this mashup. But holy moly, I was I was on board. I was going to buy two until that price. (laughs) So I'm I'm not paying one hundred twenty dollars for that. But it is cool. It is. It is cool. It It looks cool. It's on theme. It looks great. But not maybe just buy some of them. Because I bet you they're going to sell the cars like just the Hot Wheels separately. So that Mm -hmm. could be fun for kids to just play with. And then you could just stick them on some other track. You don't need to pay. Or just set them on a shelf in like a little box. Yeah, a little collectible thing. Yeah, that's a that's an option right there. But this this track thing, while cool, one hundred twenty dollars. Holy smokes. Maybe when it goes on sale. All plastic. Like it's one hundred twenty dollars for just one hundred percent plastic. Yeah, it's yeah. Now, if you have been playing on your Switch and you said, you know what, this Switch is missing something. This thing, this would be awesome if I could have a really cool train controller, then you are in luck. The Switch is, in fact, getting a train controller in Japan. Now, I had no idea that there was even a train game that would require the need for a train controller, let alone maybe more than one train simulator. I, I don't even know. I didn't know we had any on the Switch, but apparently in Japan, it is a huge, huge thing. There is a game called Densha de Go in Japan that is just just sweeping the country with excitement. And now you have a cool new train controller to use with it. It's the latest entry in the long-running train simulation series. This started out in in arcades in 1996. Now, speaking of you know the $120 for the cart, this is going to retail for $134 in Japan and will be available August 8th. And I think if 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 I were a train simulator game guy, enthusiast. if we had that enthusiast. <laughs> then I would buy a tr- cool train simulator controller because I think that's neat. You know, I think that's cool th- cool to have. I always thought the, um, who was it? Microsoft maybe had the mech. They had that like mech controller. It was like this huge dashboard sure. for the mech games. Mm-hmm. And it looked so cool. I mean, it had bells and whistles and levers and buttons. And I mean, who wouldn't want that? I'd have to create a whole like battle station to in order to play it but with my with oh man if i had that game and with the way my computers are set up because i have three computer monitors so i have my main monitor looking out the front of my mac and then had this big controller now if i had that for the train simulator and had it look like i was looking around yeah i'm in but unfortunately this is only in japan it could come could come to the states never know next stop united states Oh, my gosh. All aboard. Who knew Japan had so many <laughs> train enthusiasts? Woo-hoo! Oh, my gosh. All right. Let's get away from the train. <laughs> this train is pulling out of the station. Are you sure? What's the, <laughs> what's the next stop? The next stop. Are you sure you're on a roll? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so a little bad news, I guess, if you're still into playing Splatoon 2. Nintendo's next going stop. To- bad news town. Oh, God. Splatoon 2. Uh, Nintendo is ending their online lounge, so they're going to end support for it, but, um, you can still chat through Nintendo Switch online, I guess, though it's, like, not really that big of a deal, but some people seem to be pretty upset about it. Um, basically, it, yeah, the three people that are still playing Splatoon 2, um, or using (laughs) the Nintendo app. Yeah, yeah, true. (laughs) Um, so this lounge, I guess, allowed players to set up a Splatoon 2 battle with friends, um, but starting July 28th, it's not going to be supported anymore. So players will have to use the Nintendo Switch online app um, to voice chat with friends. And they you will still be able to set up games with friends. You just can't chat through Splatoon 2, I guess. Mm. So, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, I feel like... I think Nintendo <sighs> Switch online, like that app, just needs to drop chat all together and like games individually handle their chat systems it makes it's just such a better user experience 
I don't think too many people are using it anyway for that. I think Nintendo had the the potential. I think a lot of people probably just use Discord for their game chat, but probably, I think Nintendo but- had a ton of potential with that app. It's just it does nothing. Nothing. You know, the thing is, why can't I be able to log into that using my Nintendo? Because now I have to go to separate I have I go to a separate website when I if I'm on the app and I there's like an actual spot to go to my Nintendo to go go to my wish lists and buy games. Why why isn't that all implemented in to the Switch Online app? You know, why shouldn't I why should I have to jump around? I think there was a ton of potential, but they just don't implement it well. The Nintendo does nothing well with online. If I could buy stuff, let's say there's games that are I'm trying to think of an example of a game that maybe you would log in Animal Crossing. Okay, let's say Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing has its own thing that you can log into, but it should have it could have been potentially implemented into the Nintendo app where it tells me friends are online, I can chat through them through that. Like all of that stuff could have been implemented into that. Um, you know, I should be able to buy stuff from the store on my phone from the app and not have just a totally different app. I agree with being able to buy stuff through the app, but I think when it comes to chatting, if I already have the game open on my Switch and I'm already like basically text trying to text chat with my friends in this game, I should just be able to, if they're in my island, I should just be able to voice chat with them via the Switch. I shouldn't have to have a phone or an external app or anything like that. And I think that would just kind of streamline everything even more. If in, That's why I'm thinking like if individual games just handled chat and it was on the Switch and not through an external thing, it would just be so much easier. No, I agree. But I'm just saying that I don't think, yes, I think the better overall experience is to have chat in the game, but I don't mm-hmm. think that that's the case with a lot of the games. So most people are using Discord. They're just not using the app for much of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in the app right now, so I'm going through looking at Splatoon 2. And it was cool that I could see like my homepage on Splatoon 2. I could see my character's level. I can see how many turf war things i can see all kinds of information why isn't this for all games that's Mm -hmm. that's the problem they literally have animal crossing let me see i can go through animal crossing super smash brothers and splatoon 2 now i do notice that when i go to animal crossing i can link to the nook thing i thought that was its own app at one point but maybe they're just joined now or maybe not i don't know No, i think it's still its own separate app well, I can I just open never it used up. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I can go into Nook Link and I can do the stuff there. I guess I can buy stuff through here now. And I don't remember if that was always the case. Now, I think that was. I don't an, think so. I think that was an upgrade. Um, so that is good. That's a good thing to be able mm-hmm. to buy stuff through there. Not that I play it anymore. They implemented that when everybody was done playing it. But yeah. <laughs> it's it's good that it's there, I suppose. But why don't I have more games on, on here that utilize this online app i would love to be able to have in-game chat while i'm away or have access to my eShop while i'm away from mm-hmm. my switch itself and be able to still kind of play maybe a support role for people or just kind of have chats in there and be more of a community-based thing where i just don't feel like there's any real need clearly for me to open that up that was the first time i've opened the app in probably six months so it's yeah. just kind of like I I didn't I downloaded I was excited at the idea of that app but the fact that it just didn't seem to get much support kind of turned me away from it. Yeah, and I guess I can see value too in like the the text chat. Like if you have a friend who's like, "Oh, do you want to play this game with me?" but they don't I don't know, maybe it's not like a friend who you have like at their phone number or something. They just want to message you via chat. I guess that would be helpful, but I mean, it's I, not something I, I would use, yeah. but I could see it being something somebody Useful. may like. Yeah. yeah. They might be yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use Nintendo. I don't know. But, <laughs> no. Yeah. Next stop, bestsellers. <laughs> so the top 10 bestsellers this week. In first place, we have Mario Golf Super Rush. Jumping right to the top. Uh, and second, we have NBA 2K21. Third, Among Us. Fourth, Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Fifth, Mario Kart. Uh, Minecraft. Minecraft. Uh, sixth, uh, Taiko no Tatsujin, Drum and Fun. Seventh, Hades. Eighth, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Ninth, Game Builder Garage. And tenth, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. And then for other new games that made it into the top 30, in 23rd place, we have Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. Nice. Good games. Yeah. Mario Kart or Mario Golf Super Rush at the top, probably as it should be. 
So that's that's very cool to see. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't seen uh the the Monster Hunter stories trailer, the demo in there. Maybe because you don't buy it, maybe they don't count. See, that. I don't I think only pre-orders will show up in the top 10 bestsellers, yeah, but I don't be. think demos do because it's just downloaded, it's not purchased. Yeah, so that's what, once that, that is be. released, I bet you it would I bet be up there if be. they counted it. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> that gets us into new releases we're into this week. And uh, you have the very first, you have the most actually, but you have also the very first check on our list of things that we're into this week. So what is it? So on June 29th, there's this game called Sky Children of the Light. Now this is uh, also a mobile game, but I could only see it in the Google Play Store. I didn't see it on the, in the Apple Store. Um, It's totally free, which, you know, when it comes to free games, I think everybody's automatically skeptical or skeptical. They're like, okay, what are the in-game purchases going to be? How many ads are they going to be? Apparently in this game, there's no ads, but there are customizations for appearances uh, for your main character that you can purchase if you want to. Um, So essentially, you are a child of the light. You have to spread hope throughout this desolate kingdom and return fallen stars into their constellations. You can explore seven different dreamlike realms. You can encounter and socialize with other players from around the world. So there's really cool like online functionality built in. You mean new characters experience heartfelt stories, each with a new adventure. Um, there's character customization, like I mentioned. You can team up with others to adventure into darker areas to save spirits and uncover treasures. Mm-hmm. You can you know give people gifts to grow friendships. Uh, apparently, the music is really well done, um, and it's an ever expanding world. So they have seasonal events and realm expansions and things like that. Um, so from the Google play store, I looked up some reviews just to get like a general idea of how people like it, what the issues are. Mm-hmm. It does have a 4.6 out of five from, uh, over 550,000 reviews, which I would say is pretty good for a free game. Um, as far as praises go, it's apparently very relaxing. It's beautiful. And a lot of people said it's hard to believe it's free without any in-game ads. Um, it seems like the only thing that does cost money is the special cosmetic items, like I mentioned. And then as far as pain points go, a lot of people say on older phones, it is pretty laggy, which wouldn't be an issue on the Switch, I don't believe. Um, and the cosmetic upgrades you can get without purchasing them. It's just a very grindy experience to try to get them. And unfortunately, like some of the online stuff is a little wonky. I mean, it's free. What do you expect? A lot of sometimes when people be playing with friends, they get disconnected and they spend like an hour trying to just get their friend reconnected. Mm. Um, And then lastly, it does say there is a surprising lack of content. So at least kind of going into this, realizing it's a free game. I mean, I would say it's worth trying. I want to try it out. It looks really interesting. So yeah, there you go. Can't hurt. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? The next game I had checked, and I actually overlooked it accidentally the first time, but Michael, you brought it to my attention because you're like, how do you not have this checked? <laughs> it's it's got uh, it's, you to a it's got Yeah, it does have me written all over it. There's some things I'm a little iffy about, though. So it's called Discolored. It's coming out July 1st. And essentially, it's there's this roadside diner, and it's just in black and white. It lost all of its color. So you, the character, are sent to investigate. It's a very strange, surreal puzzle adventure game. Um, the only thing I'm kind of unsure about is it does say it's about two or so hours. Mm-hmm. So usually if I'm paying, it's $10. So usually if I'm paying that much for a game, I'm like, okay, it's got to be like, you know, like 15 to 20 hours. So uh, on the edge about that, if it went on sale, like 50 or 70% off or something, I'd probably pick it up. So I put this one in my wish list. It looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I mean, yeah. I think it's a wish list game. I think I was getting... Uh, I, I thought it looked really good. I like the atmospheric look of Discolored. But again, like you said, $10 for maybe two-ish hour experience. I'm going to hold off. It's a wish list at the most. Yeah. And then wait till that gets on a nice sale, which I'm sure it will because these don't have typically mass appeal. So I think mm-hmm. they, you know, you'll see these pop up on sales and and then it's, right. it's kind of worth it for me. Yeah. If, and if it is three or $4, I'm always looking for really short little niblet games like that. I, yeah. I can sit down in one evening and just play this whole game and check it off the list and be like, okay, that was fun. Um, so it is just kind of good to know it, like it has a short play time. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's a negative thing. I'm just saying it's, you know, something to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The next one I have checked for July 2nd is Super Destronaut DW2. Now, if anybody remembers a while back, this game, or DX2, excuse me, DX2. 
Um, now, if anybody remembers a while back that this is something Mats and I used to go back and forth on Super Destronaut. We used to keep battling each other, kept trying to get the high score. It was a blast. They had great leaderboards online. They had all kinds of fun challenges. The game would make your eyes bleed because it was getting so intense by the time you were getting up into the high score area. <laughs> Both of us had made it into, I think, above the top five in the overall rankings for high score in this game um, until we just basically stopped playing. And it was it was a really fun experience. So I definitely want to pick this up and play the sequel to it. Uh, if anybody is not familiar, this is a retro space shooter, very similar to like an arcade game that you would play from the 80s. It's just colorful. It's fun. It's so simple on the Switch. It plays great on the Switch. And I think this one would probably be just more of the same but it's definitely worth checking out. I gave it a check. See if it goes on sale. Maybe a couple bucks. I'll pick this one up for sure. Yeah, that one's probably not for me. But <laughs> you, no, I know it, you tend, yeah, you tend to like the arcade kind of shooter. Well, shoot -em -up I games. wouldn't say it was for me either. But it ended up yeah. being so fun that I want to pick it up again because nice. the other one we just had a good experience. It's not a game mm. that I typically go for necessarily. But if you like those old sort of space invaders type games, you would you would definitely like this. Would you say it would be better to play with a friend than I, versus that's by yourself? That's the whole point. I mean, the to me, it's whoever's going for the high score, you know. Okay. So I don't know if I don't I would imagine, you know, if you and I are playing this and then you get the high score and then I check and I'm like, oh, now I want to beat that high score. Competition. And then I, it's the competition <laughs> of it. It's the leaderboard yeah. of it that made it fun. I don't okay. I don't get a ton of enjoyment out of these, but these are our good pick up and play games if you have five minutes because you just do a level and see if you can get the high score. And then after nice. that, you don't you don't have to give it a lot of thought. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Uh, the next game, well, I guess the last game actually that I have checked is Epistory Typing Chronicles. This is on sale if you pre-order right now for $12, regularly $15. It's an atmospheric, surprise, surprise, action adventure game, but it has this origami style world. So if anybody remembers, I was talking about Tiny, is it Tiny Towns? Tiny Lands, mm -hmm. the game Tiny Lands. It looks a lot like that, uh, but more like a paper foldy kind of situation. Um, it tells the story of a writer lacking inspiration, and you play as her muse, riding this awesome-looking folded paper fox to help unfold the story, if you will. Uh, I did look it up. It's available on Steam. It has very positive reviews. It's available for Windows and Mac, and it's actually 60% off right now on Steam for $6 until July 8th. So if you don't really have a preference between the Switch or Steam, I would say definitely get it on Steam. Um, mm. It's a pretty good deal. But if you, you know, love the Switch, you know, definitely wishlist this. It looks pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, I thought yeah. it looked beautiful. So mm -hmm. maybe if you end up playing this a little bit. I, I didn't really love the, the like, the, the story element of it, like, the mm -hmm. creating a story, the typing thing. But if you end up playing it and you think it's it's really good, then maybe I will grab it because it definitely looked beautiful. Yeah. I don't know if I would definitely get it for $12 on sale. Sure. Maybe if yeah. it went down to, like, 10 mm -hmm. I would say. And more likely to pick it up. Mm -hmm. um, that but like $2 I said, it's really is pushing well. It's over. just because I think the I guess, Steam sale is, makes it absolutely worth yes. it. Because and that's that's the reason why I'm iffy. It's like, well, if it's yeah. twelve dollars on the Switch, but I can get it for six dollars, I'm not going to buy it for twelve dollars on the Switch. I'm going to wait for there to be a better sale. Yeah, you're you're paying that Switch tax. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure if it is that price on Steam, at some point it'll be that price on Switch. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it's just it's kind of crazy to me that publishers would even let that happen. Yeah. Like, oh, the game is releasing on Switch, but it's $6 on Steam. Don't tell yeah, anyone. Like, to, yeah, yeah kind of weird. In addition to those other games that we checked, there's a few games coming out this week that we, I think, are worth mentioning, but we're not particularly interested in them ourselves. So Disgaea 6, Defiance of Destiny, is coming out. This is going to be out June 29th. It's a full price game, $60. I am not familiar with the series, so it's not something that I wanted to jump in on, but I know there's a lot of people that love these so now you have this coming out for the switch there's also on june 30th doki doki literature club plus now this I, i'm interested in this only because of sort of this uh psychological horror aspect that they keep 
sort of spinning on this game, but I hate the look of it. So <laughs> I'm I'm I was gonna give it a check just because it's I'm curious to to kind of look into this game, but it just looks like every other sort of weird anime girl, school girl game that's out there, yeah. like those dating sims. It looks just mm-hmm. like another one of those, but this psychological yeah, it just looks silly. Yeah. But the 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 psychological horror, so you have that juxtaposition between this really cheesy over the top like anime versus the, you know, what a psychological at least what a psychological horror is to me is kind of interesting. You know, I think psychological horror, I think games like Soma where it's like this you Yeah, it's dark. It's dark and there's Eerie. you know, you're it's it's pushing you to question your decisions and things that can happen in that in atmosphere. And are you making the right choice? I don't know, but I have to choose. So I think something like that mixed with the weird look and aesthetic of this could be interesting. But then I look at games that are coming out, you know, the same, same week, like uh, what was the other one that was coming out? This, this Kira Kira stars, idol project, Rika. They all look the same. They all look the same to me. So I was really on the fence. I know there's a huge love and and following for Doki Doki. If if you're listening and you think I should play this and it's something that maybe is just you have to give it a try, then let me know and maybe I will. But I I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, we should look into seeing if we could get a code for that one because I feel like that would even be an interesting one to stream just because I do know it has a pretty intense cult following. Yeah. So... I mean, yeah, could be, we're just not into going. typically the style of game. Yeah, I, so I don't. I don't like those like uh, narrative. I, I don't mind narrative games, but the sort of dating sim games, the drama, I, I dating, cutesy yeah. anime yeah. games. That's yeah, they're not really not for, for us. Me. <laughs> me either. And then the last one that we want to mention, just because it was a little bit of a standout, there is a Wii U game coming out on July second. So if anybody still has a Wii U and they're looking for more games, you're in luck. Um, it's called Sternfront the Mutant War y- Ubel, Ubel Edition. Sure. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of maybe Doom, I guess. It's it's not for me, but if you have a Wii U and you want more games, look it up. Uh, you could be interested in this. It doesn't have a price listed, so I can't help you there, unfortunately. But yeah, there's a Wii U game coming out. <laughs> okay. All right. So that gets us to everybody's favorite segment in the show. What you playing? You want to know what I'm playing? Yeah. First? Okay. Uh, so obviously I've been playing more Hades. Bioshock Infinite, I've been streaming. I think I have two more streams left to get through that game. Um, and it was really funny because this last week when I was playing, I've been playing so much Hades and I just kind of spam the dodging button when I play now that in... <laughs> in uh when i was streaming i kept accidentally playing b because i wanted to like dodge the bad guys but i couldn't <laughs> it wasn't working properly um so that that's happening it's really hard for me to play multiple games for that reason i get controls confused mm-hmm. um i finished tiny lands right before the podcast and at the end they did have a little uh not trailer but like a credit roll kind of video thing at the end. And at the end of that, it said the adventure will continue. So I do think they plan on releasing more of these games. I think as far as a score goes for this, I'd say I probably give it a four out of five for what it is. Um, The only issue I have is that I wish I could zoom in in a different way. I wish I could almost like a mobile game. I wish I could just touch the screen and zoom in and move it and shift it in whatever way I want. I hate that it's so connected to just that right control, right joystick. Mm -hmm. And it is a little difficult to navigate the main sort of map. So there's like this circle and then in the circle, there's like these five maps. So you select the map and then it goes to another circle with all the individual little areas that you can go to. And sometimes it's hard to tell exactly where you're at. So maybe streamlining that would be better (laughs) or just making it a little less confusing, Um, make it look more different between the two maps. But those are my only big issues um, with that. And then the other thing I played, of course, is the Monster Hunter Stories 2 demo. Um, Now you've finished the trial, right? Yeah. Okay. I have not. I just uh, got all of the little side quests, though. 
Um, so how much time do I have left? I guess <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, I played it for about four hours total, and that's it. It's not a time thing. It's just how far you want to go. There's a there's okay. a, like a definite point in the story. I mean, you could spend all like day doing those side quests. I guess I upgraded my armor. I I bought a different weapon, and had a, so now you have. I had three weapons, so I had one of each type, and then that was it. I just kind of kept playing the game and upgraded the stuff here and there and did a, I did a lot of the side quests because I just had a lot of supplies. But it, once I realized, oh, these are just sort of gathering quests, I, I kind of just stopped doing them. Yeah. And I guess if you don't plan on buying the game, I can see how that would be a waste of time. I, I mean, even if I plan on buying the game, I don't I didn't see much point in wasting time doing that many of them. And I would, I would imagine you can go back. It, it's not very clear to me if it unlocks new areas that I think the, the, the trial was, was good, but I don't, it wasn't really clear to me some of the stuff. So am I leaving this area for good? Am I coming back yeah. to this area? Is this a waste of my time? Because it didn't seem like I needed to do any of those. They, they did get me some extra stuff, but I didn't end up really using any of the stuff that got me. It didn't seem like I needed too much of it, or at least if I did, it wasn't really clear that I needed it or why. So I think that there's certain little things that are in this game that they just don't explain that well, because maybe they just assume you're super familiar with Monster Hunter, or maybe the original game detailed it all out. I really, I felt the opposite. I felt they explain almost over explain things. I think there's some stuff they explain, but once you start gathering stuff, it's not really clear. Do I need this stuff to build my gear? I mean, I just didn't think it really mattered. The side quest just didn't seem to matter to me. Oh, I guess I don't you could know. probably I spend stuff, ten so. ten now. It's it's they're super repetitive, so I was oh. over it pretty quick. I love collecting missions, so I'm I'm into that kind of thing. So I I mean I probably do them. I I basically accepted every possible side quest that I could. Yeah, me too. Because I'm like, oh, I'm gonna take you know get as much as I can out of this demo to see if it's something I really want to get. Um. I love the look of it, though. It looks great. It's kind of it's a lot like Breath of the Wild. It's a lot of the stuff I enjoyed from Breath of the Wild. Um, yeah. The different armor that you can get is really cool. I got one and it was like a gypsy sort of situation. <laughs> yeah, you had different armor than yeah. I had. Um, I think because I'm playing as a girl, too. Maybe it changes Maybe, that. but I, I couldn't yeah. even figure out what armor like I have. I guess the male counterpart to that armor, but I couldn't figure out what armor it was because it looks nothing of mine looked similar to that that's why i was it was interesting that there's different armor for things because it's Mm. not like you can spec your character to be you know it's not like i built my character and said he's a fire type character and i'm only getting fire type armor the armor all has its own spec so i was curious why your your armor was different maybe you killed a different monster and the monster that goes with it because I, i did notice that the monsters as i killed monsters i got more options I I mean, I don't know. I think I'm sure you have like a similar counterpart. Maybe it's like the male version of what I have, but it just looks different. It's the dancing armor. That's like the <laughs> the special thing it has. So uh, I'll have to send you a screen grab of all the different armor options I have and then we can try to figure out yeah. what goes with what. Or what what is the same like version as whatever I have. But yeah, that's interesting. But I will say I did enjoy the character customization. I love that stuff. And I probably spent, you know, a half an hour on just doing that. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they have a lot of nice options. Um, I, I mean, it's one of those games where I'm enjoying it. I don't feel like I have to get it, though. I don't feel like I'm missing out on much if I don't play it. Um, which I don't like I didn't feel the way about Breath of the Wild. I love Breath of the Wild. I just wanted it. I wanted to play it. And with this one, I'm like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. It's cool. It looks nice. But so far, it's it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I started this game up and I actually enjoyed it much more than I thought I was going to. And once you get through the story, I thought the graphics of it, I thought the the aesthetic of it, I thought the um, cus- like the customer building was all fantastic. I think it looks fantastic. I think it's heavily inspired by Breath of the Wild aesthetics. Um, it's it's beautiful game, and I really enjoyed it. I don't. I, I may pick it up because I thought it was really cool. I don't mm-hmm. mind the turn based battling system. I I've always liked that battling system. It does have a certain level of complexity to it because you have to anticipate 
um, the monster you're battling, what type of attack they're going to be using. They either use speed, technical, or power. They have a go-to power or go-to attack that they will use. And let's say you're battling a certain type of monster and their go-to is power. So you need to use, let's say, speed to counter the power attacks. That's the only way you're going to outdo them. But Mm -hmm. if they get angry, they will start changing their attack type. So you need to anticipate and look for um, like signs or clues. It seems like if they are power, then they just go to the next one on the on the wheel. So they just kind of keep clicking one over as they're as they're changing their attack. So I think that's the way it was. I kept trying to figure out exactly what pattern they follow. And I wasn't really paying enough attention, I guess, to figure it out for sure. But then if they change their attack, you need to change your monsty and your attacks to match. And on top of that, you need to have one of each weapon type, these three different types of weapons. Did you have Um, a hammer too? Yes, I have the hammer. The hammer, I guess the hammer is blunt. The sword is slash, I think. And then the arrow was pierce i think those are the three types so it's a hammer Mm -hmm. or a horn i think you can use for for the blunt weapon um and what will happen is the the monster you're battling will sort of change their their attack they'll either get angry or they'll pick up something from the environment and you have to break through that and maybe your sword no longer works so now you switch your attack to the hammer so you can break through the thing they're holding and you have to change your monster to match that new attack as well and I thought it was really interesting. I think there was a little jankiness trying to figure out what did what. But other than that, I, I really enjoyed it. I you know, I think the Monster Hunter dialogue is all cheesy. It's like just their shtick is just weird, cheesy RPG, JRPG dialogue. It's just kind of corny. But other than that, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I and in the past too, you we I did the what was a Dragon Quest demo and it was yeah. turn based and I didn't really enjoy that but I didn't mind it in this for some reason and I don't really I I haven't played enough of them to really know what the differences are between like turn based games. Well, it's, they're all pretty much the same. I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess maybe with this one it felt more strategic because you are kind of paying attention to what the other mm-hmm. what you're fighting like what they're doing what their mannerisms are and stuff and I really enjoyed that. Overall, it kind of reminded me it was like Pokemon plus Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And and, and for Pokemon, it was kind of like you have these set areas and the battle system is similar. But then when it comes to Breath of the Wild, it does have this kind of like side quest, adventure, exploration kind of feeling and look. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I liked it. I definitely yeah. liked it. I want to get into I, I want I, I don't know. I'm curious how many monsties you can have. You know, is there only like 10 in the game and you're just kind of working your way through those 10 because they do get into sort of breeding the genetics. So you can have certain ones that have other features, but I don't know if that changes the overall aesthetic of them or look of them. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, in Pokemon, you can have so many different Pokemon and you can kind of create your team in this. If you only have, let's say, 20 to choose from to make your team. I would like more. Maybe I could breed them to have special abilities or mm-hmm. I just didn't get a sense of that. I didn't get a sense of the scope for this game um, from the trial, but I did get enough to where I was curious and, and interested in the game. I like sort of the story elements. It just felt like maybe it would get a little repetitive. That's my only concern with the trial. Yeah, I don't know. I'll spend more time playing it and yeah, we'll see how I feel next week. But yeah. I think it's a, it seems fine. <laughs> yeah. Now, in addition to Monster Hunter Stories 2, I did pick up Mario Golf Super Rush. I just started that. I didn't play. I, I maybe hit like on one hole. That's basically it. I was just getting the sense mm-hmm. for the game, just firing it up, seeing what's what. There's been a couple of updates, I think, that's come out since. So I'm going to update it. And I will, now that I've finished Monster Hunter Stories, or at least the trial, I want to jump into this and start playing some Mario Golf. In addition to that, I have been playing Hades. I played a couple rounds of that just to kind of, because you've been playing it so much, I wanted to refresh myself. I've still been playing Oxenfree and streaming Subnautica Below Zero. Nice. Yeah. Has uh, your opinion of Oxenfree changed at all since last week? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm I'm sort of slowly working my way through it. 
I think mm-hmm. we discussed that the walking speed aggravates me. I just feel like the characters <laughs> walk so yeah. slow and it's just like, holy smokes. The It has very long load times. I hope that's something that's repaired in the next one because the, some of the load times are just... I think the game crashed and it's like, what is going on with this load time, especially the initial boot up. Even when you're quitting the game, it's like takes it forever to get back to the main menu. It's low. I don't even know what it's loading. I don't know if it's saving. It just has like the little screen that shows the name and it says so, you know, something's happening, but Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's doing. I quit the game and it takes it over like a minute to get to the main menu. It Hmm. just seems like painfully slow load times. Uh, but other than that, I think it's really well done. I think the story is interesting. I think the dialogue is okay, but I think the story is interesting, and uh, I'll be excited to finish it. I don't, I don't know, I don't love it. You know what I mean? I think it's interesting, but I'm not. In, I, I, I don't feel a need to kind of keep going back to it, but I am just because I want to finish the story. And it hasn't hooked me enough to make me excited to like Somnautica. I never want to put it down. Mm-hmm. Oxenfree, I'm like, okay, I kind of take it or leave it right now. Yeah, it's just kind of like one of those games where you can pick up and like play through a small portion of it little by little, just chip away at it over time. Yeah, and I think it's probably yeah. the pacing of it that does it. I, I think the story- It is very could, slow. It's very slow. Yeah. And I think it takes a while to kind of get into the story and figure out where the story is going. But mm. I, I think overall, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. Bunch of good games. I'm excited to get back to some of them. I'm excited to play some more Subnautica. I'm a little bummed that I'm done with Monster Hunter because I just wanted to keep working on my team. But we'll see. Maybe I'll pick that one up. I don't know. But if you would like to write us and let us know what you have been playing this week, if you are loving the Monster Hunter Stories trial, if you've been playing Mario Golf, any of these other games, let us know what your thoughts are on them. Go over to NintendoDispatch.com, hit the contact page, feel free to write us. If you want to watch us play some games, which we have been doing pretty consistently throughout the week, you can go over to twitch.tv forward slash Nintendo Dispatch. Feel free to jump in, watch us, chat with us, tell us how we're playing and give us tips because I know we could always use them, uh, especially when we're running around. For me, especially Subnautica, you can let me know if I'm about to run out of air, which always seems to happen. Uh, in addition to that, you can go over to Twitter. You can go to at Dispatch Podcast. Feel free to chat with us there or our Discord. And that information's on our website. This has been your Nintendo Dispatch.